This is Ty Tabor from King's X, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 530 of Focus on Metal. And this week, surprise, surprise, the carpet does match the curtains, or in podcast lingo, the ID at the front of the show does go with the guest we have on. That's right, we welcome back Ty Tabor for the third time. So the first time we had Ty on was back on episode 175, way back in March of 2014, and that was a uh, basically a Ty Tabor King's X super special that we put together in which we went through with Ty every single album within the entire King's X catalog. So if you are a King's X super fan, might want to go back and check that one out. Great talk with Ty as we go through the whole entire discography. And then we had Ty on again on episode 363. That was in February of 2018 for his uh, solo release, Alien Beans. Uh, Also on Rat Pack, by the way. And now here we are, episode 530, and we have him back on for another solo release that uh, is just out called Shades. And that was uh, put out by Joe and the gang up at Rat Pack Records. And so that is what is in store for you this week is a great chat that Richie had with Ty uh, about guitars, some of the history of what he's been playing, all that kind of good stuff, as well as talking about Shades and some of the ethos behind that. And of course, since Richie is one of those King's X mega fans, he had to take the time to query him about what's up with King's X, when could we expect a new album, that kind of stuff. So Richie's doing some digging there as well. So lots of good stuff this week with our uh, ever-recurring guest, Ty Tabor, and we're going to kick that off right now. Hey, Ty. Hi, Richie. How are you? I'm good. So is it still good morning where you are, or is it the afternoon? It is 11.30 in the morning. All right, you're an hour behind me then. So we're going to get into the, 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 the new solo album, Shades. Um, but the first question I always ask the guitar players, and I've spoken to you a couple of times, and I don't think I've asked you this: How many guitars do you have in your house? Uh, I don't know. I can tell you how many I can see in the room I'm in right now. Let's see: <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 in the room I'm in at the moment. I have no idea how many are in this house. There are a bunch of them in cases down in the basement, and uh, and there are several in other parts of the house, and I have a bunch out at the studio. Okay. So I, I have no idea. Okay, the other question I'm asking the guitarists, and sometimes I'm surprised that they actually give me the answer I'm looking for. Do you still have the first guitar you ever owned? I do not. I wish I did, but I don't. Okay. What's the oldest guitar you have then? Hmm, probably my uh, 76 Les Paul that I've had since 76, a Les Paul Custom. Okay. And was there one in particular you used to write a lot of the songs on this record, or was it the one you just picked up, the one that was nearest to you and wrote? I think I used um, about five different guitars to write and stuff. It just depended on what the 
you know, what the, where the song was going, uh, certain guitars are better for different things. Okay. Would you have an idea in your head which one to pick up, depending on the mood you are, you're in? I usually do. I usually know exactly which one I should go for. Okay. Um, Is there any particular any particular song on this album that you can maybe talk about that, saying, you know, I, I, I knew straight away how I was feeling and I had to use that one to write it? Um, I can't say as far as writing. I yeah. know that when it came to playing rhythm parts and doing leads, there were certain ones that's you know I, I would use for certain things. I, basically, if it's a, a t- if I wanted it to sound like P90s, I'd use this uh, really sweet sounding Les Paul special that I have, and it's it doesn't actually have P90s. It's a special edition special, and has humbuckers, but something about it when you roll the volume slightly down is it just has a great p90 sound so if i ever wanted a p90 sound i'd use that guitar if i ever wanted a you know wide open balls out sound i'd use a gold top less ball standard if i wanted in between tones i would use straps and uh, i've got a guildford i like for uh, i use the guildford especially for clean tones it sounds great mm. Um, but I probably four different strats because I have several that sound different. Okay. Do you write a lot on acoustic? And when you do write on acoustic, does a lot of the songs transfer to the album on acoustic? Uh, most everything I wrote in the early days of all the King's X music that I wrote was written on acoustic. Um, I don't do that much now uh, just because acoustics they hurt my hands. You know what I mean? My hands get tired or faster and you have to press harder to play them in my fingers. You know, I just don't enjoy acoustic as much anymore. Uh, but in the old days I wrote almost everything on acoustic. Okay. Okay. So of course I'm talking to you just before the, the new album is coming out. So quick editor's note here is when we did this, it was just prior to release, like maybe a day before. And as of March 4th, Shades is out and available. Do you get nervous when when you bring out a new album? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say anxious is, is a good word. I, I I never know what people are going to think, and I I hate. Uh, it's just like walking up to a full room of people and open up your diary and start reading. You know what I mean? It's it's very personal to throw something out there like that, and uh, I it never feels good. I always kind of can't wait for the whole ordeal to be over. <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider yourself tight to be a perfectionist then? That, and you have a hard time letting go of songs? I, I'm, I'm the opposite. Uh, the problem with me is I'm, I'm good with letting slop stay on, on things because uh, I'm a firm believer in that live feel, that live energy. It's all about how it felt when it went down, not how perfect it was. That That's the only thing I care about is if it feels right. Okay. Um, so I know you, you answered that question, but do you fret more over your vocals or your guitar playing? Oh, a lot more over my vocals. I hate singing. Really? <laughs> yes. Still? Yes. I do not enjoy having to sing because it, it's not the, the, I don't know, I write this music and then I put my voice on it and I feel like my voice doesn't fit the music. And uh, so it's always very difficult for me to get put my voice on the stuff I'm writing. Mm. 
So, so who's the soundboard then? The the outside opinion to say, yeah, those vocals are good enough. Is there anyone you know, any other musician that you can like bounce the idea off and say, what do you think of the vocals on this, or is it all just you? It's just pretty much all me. But I do have friends that if I ask them something, they will be honest with me. Okay. Uh, mainly Wally Farkas is the one I depend on to be honest with me the most. <laughs> okay. Uh, how critical is he? Very. Okay. Uh, he has the best ears of anybody I know, and he's the most knowledgeable musician uh, that I know. And he he totally understands vibe and what's important, uh, you know, in, in music. So I really, really value his opinion. Yeah. Now, you said there that you're uncomfortable singing even now. Well, how come you ended up being the singer on the Jelly Jam? Uh, that was totally, uh, that's a whole other story. And I'll be honest with you, it was by accident because we were originally called Platypus and we had Derek Sherinian on keyboards and no one said a word to me about vocals at all when we put the band together. I, as far as I knew, we were going to be doing like instrumental music or something. And and literally, I, I finish a, a King's X tour and d- fly directly out to uh, meet with the guys and start you know writing music for the first Platypus album. And Platypus is who became the Jelly Jam, you know, after after Derek left. So. We're out there working on on music, and on the first day, uh, I don't remember if it was Derek or somebody. Somebody just kind of threw out, "Yeah, man, and there's years where you can throw vocals on and stuff." And it wasn't until that moment that I had any idea anyone was planning on me doing vocals. Uh, <laughs> so I had no clue going in that I was going to be doing vocals. It just was. It just happened. Yeah, surely you would have put your hand up and said, "Look, we need to get a singer," because I don't want to do it. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Jelly Jam, Ty, um, any any idea if there's something going to be happening there? Uh, nothing new at the moment, but I mean, we're, we're we always talk about it and are in contact. Um, you know, me and John are we text back and forth regularly and email back and forth regularly, and it's uh, it's in the cards for us to do more. We all three want to for sure. It's just a matter of. You know, uh, all of us are, are in uh, bands that when things are normal and everybody's touring, it's uh, it's just tough for the schedules to work out. And it's more of that kind of a thing than, than us, whether we want to do it or not. Yeah. Now, you're on about your vocals there. You don't really like singing that much. But when you listen to some songs, especially on this record that address the death of your father, it's only really you that can sing those songs because you have the the meaning behind them, the experiences. Um, it, it, and it must have been really cathartic for you to do that. Um, it, it was. I mean, anytime you're writing from pain, it, it helps you to get it out, you know, to put it down somehow. And it, it definitely was cathartic for me. Um, but all, all writing is kind of for me, no matter what the subject matter, it's getting something off your chest. Mm. You see, when I look at something like that now, like my father is in his mid-70s now and he's still alive, right? I don't write songs or anything like that. So part of me is jealous that you have the gift to be able to express your feelings in that way. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm very, 
uh, thankful that I have that outlet also. I'm very, very thankful for it. Yeah. Um, When you're writing songs like that, about that, and then after a while, you know, I'm not saying the pain goes away, but you start thinking a little bit differently. Do you look on those songs and say, well, they don't really fit the rest of the album. They might be a little bit too dark. Well, I knew that when I was writing the the couple of songs I was writing about my dad that I didn't or shouldn't write any more on the album uh, because that's a whole lot of... uh, pain and stuff and you don't want to overwhelm the you know the whole record be that way so i I was aware of it when i was writing it but i also knew that after i wrote the two uh, one of them's a bonus track called ashes that was about my dad too yeah but when i wrote those two songs i knew that that was going to be it and that i would need to go other places not let it consume the whole record okay so also is i've read that some of the ideas on this are old ideas. How old are we talking about? Um, well, there's only one or two songs that came out of old ideas, but uh, one of them maybe a couple years old, and one of them's about six years old. Okay. So you're the type of guitarist, songwriter, that will look back on old ideas. I've spoken to countless musicians, and they'll tell me once they've run through an idea, and it's not working, why work on something that's not working and they won't even revisit it? I'm I'm opposite feeling of that, and King's X is a perfect example. Um, I, I wrote a song called Pleiades long, long time ago. Yeah, in the, on Gretchen, in the, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is, but I wrote it years before that, way before we had a record deal or anything. And it was the song that got, uh, you know, us... Uh, you know, exploring in this whole drop D world. Uh, but we did the song, we did record it for the first King's X album, but it, the magic just didn't happen. So we put it aside, but when we did Gretchen, we decided to revisit it and it did work. So I, I am of the opposite feeling of that. There have been many songs that on first time or first try it just wasn't the right day but you come back some other time and all of a sudden it is so i don't i don't like to throw anything away uh, and doug and jerry are of the same the same thing you know a, a song has its day it just may not be today you know okay so you you're the person then that you know if i said to you that every guitar has a song you'd agree with that I don't know about that. I, I wouldn't say every guitar. Okay. <laughs> I, picked, I picked up that I couldn't imagine any song coming out of what I was feeling. So it just depends. <laughs> okay. So what comes first for you then? Is it is it uh, the melody, the guitar riff, the lyrics? Usually it's uh, a guitar riff, but not, not always. There, I don't have... A set way that I write that is a hundred percent of the time, but I do have a set way that I write most of the time, and that is what I do is anytime I'm sitting around playing guitar, if I come up with a riff I like, I just grab my phone and hit record. Okay. And, uh, I, and so I'll have loads and loads and loads of ideas that I don't even remember doing, and then I'll go back and revisit that sometimes, and you hear it. When you hear things like that that you're not married to and you just came and went in a flash and you forget, then when you hear it back 
later it's like hearing music for the first time and it wasn't something you wrote and it's a lot easier for you to judge whether you like it or not uh so i love doing that getting away from, you know just putting ideas down and store storing them don't even think about them again and then let it hit me like a new idea later and i can really judge so how do you store them ty what are they stored on now because over the years you probably would have gone from like cassette tape and now everything is on an iphone have you transferred all the old stuff onto the new formats or are they all over the place uh, pretty much everything has been transferred into the digital world at this point most of it the large majority of it has not a hundred percent but most of it okay so uh, mostly all digital world now yeah and there's a lot of it now that you might listen back to and you don't even remember coming up with oh yeah oh, I'd, I'd say uh, i mean when you have 40 ideas down and they were things that were just a few seconds of your life in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff the chances are you won't even remember that you came up with that and so if if enough time goes by at least the chances are you may not remember it and that's what i like then it hits me like someone else is playing a part and i can look at it from the outside almost and go oh i like that or or even very often go oh what was i thinking that's a terrible idea you know <laughs> can you but think can you think of a song it, that happened because of that that you went back and revisited an idea you completely forgot about it and you got this great song out of it that you couldn't get back then um, there are probably a couple of those that came off of my phone on the new album. I, uh, one of them was political nonsense was an idea off my phone that I forgot about. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, I think one drop of water was an idea I put on my phone that I forgot about mm -hmm. at least parts of that song. Okay. It's hard. To, it's hard to remember. I mean, almost all of them were on the phone at some point. Okay. Okay. Um, you ever had writer's block? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can you think of any one particular period in your career that really oh, frustrated you? I've had it recently where it frustrated me, but part of it was because I haven't been able to freely play like I want to because of I broke a finger on my, my playing hand and I'm still in trying to get it to heal properly. Uh, so that's been the main frustration. Uh, but there was a period of time right before I broke it that a whole bunch of music came in a flood, but I had been stifled before that for a good while where nothing was coming. But I mean, that, every year I go through those. I mean, there might be a period of three, four months in the year, every year, where just nothing comes. So uh, you just go with the flow and wait for it. <laughs> do you think you can did you, do you think Ty that you can sit down and say to yourself yeah I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to write a song I've tried doing that before and yes you can come up with something I've never come up with anything worth keeping doing that I usually it usually has to come from better inspiration than the mind saying I'm going to do this it has to be something from the heart mm. what's the weirdest place you've been out in and you have an idea and you have to get it down like in a supermarket or a restaurant or somewhere like that. Has that ever happened? Yeah, I mean, I was in the shower when we were on tour, and I was actually very, we were kind of late leaving one morning. I slept a little too long. I was in the shower, and 
the entire song, vocals, guitar part, everything came to me for the song Lost in Germany. <laughs> and so I just kept humming these things, humming these things in my head because I didn't want to forget them because I didn't have a guitar around. And by the time I got out of the shower, I yelled, you know, for my tech to run to the bus and bring me a guitar. And I kept, you know, I wouldn't speak to anybody or anything. I just kept humming these things in my head so I wouldn't forget. And he brought me the guitar and I figured it out. And just played it over and over and over, and probably put it on my phone uh, and hummed things, and then we left. Okay. So yeah, that kind of stuff happens. I mean, I've had songs come in a dream where I knew it was the best song of my life, and then before I could get to a, a guitar, it's gone. You know? Oh no! <laughs> so many, so many times. Okay, okay. So I just have a couple of questions, Ty, before I leave you go. Um. You've worked with many great producers over the years, and I want to ask you about a couple of them and what you can tell me that you learned specifically from them, maybe that you've used in your career, maybe writing songs or working working the studio. Um, Sam Taylor, what did you learn in particular from Sam? The main thing I learned from Sam is to be how to be professional, because Sam would make us work like going to work i mean we would drive way across the city to this uh warehouse every single day spend at least eight hours there every day usually longer uh we take one short break for lunch and eat right next door to the warehouse then get back in there and work and what it would be what we would be working on is singing vocal parts over and over and over and doing scales and doing things like that that build up strength and stamina and playing things just over and over and over and over and really meticulously uh thinking about it and working on every little detail that's the main thing i got from sam was just to quit being a sleep all day musician. If you want to do this, you got to be a pro. And, and that means changing your whole life about it. And, uh, that's, that's what happened with Sam. Okay. And what about Brendan O'Brien who did Dogman? The main thing with Brendan is it reinforced with me the idea that things don't need to be perfect. Uh, Brendan knows how to capture the right vibe. And that is the only thing that matters. Um, and the kind of thing Brendan would say would be, you know, cause my amps would be noisy or whatever. Anytime there was something like that, that would generally be considered a, a thing to fix in the studio. Brendan's attitude would be noise is good. And that noise adds energy. And I've always felt exactly the same. I've just had other engineers and stuff, you know, try to get all the noise out and everything. So I, you know, we walk into work with, Brendan and I'm thinking, man, my stuff's noisy. He's going to hate this. He he didn't care at all, and I was, I was like so thankful because I don't care either. To me, he's right. Those it reinforced the same things I believe about just capture the vibe and don't worry about perfection. Perfection uh, sterilizes records and takes the life completely out. Uh, I've interviewed a couple of guys that have, you know, had Brendan produced them. And I've also interviewed Mike Frazier, who's worked on albums with ACDC, with Brendan. And he said one of the great things Brendan does is he can come into the studio with a guitar and show you what he's what he's thinking. Did he do that a lot with you when you were doing Dogman? 
he never touched the guitar the entire time we recorded not not a single time wow um he never uh tried to show us how to do anything um he you know he flew out to houston first and heard all of the stuff we had written we were already working on he did at that time make a suggestion on one song that i remember particular that was a great suggestion and it was just to cut one small part out on the chorus and it was for the song cigarettes i think um and uh and that was such a great idea and and there was one other song where he had a tiny tweak idea like that also but in general no he 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 left our music completely alone and let us do what we do and play how we play and he just encouraged that and uh he did work very fast I mean, we would lay something down a bunch of times, and then he'd go, go make a sandwich. And we'd go, okay. And you know, come back 20 minutes later, and he'd have something to sound like a record almost already. And he and Nick Dudia were you know, working together on that. And it just worked so fast that you could get the results and, and the vibe of where you're headed. You could get a good idea from of it right there on the spot with him. And that's unusual. A lot of times it takes later in the whole process when things are really getting mixed before you can tell exactly where you're at. With Brendan, you know where you're at the whole time, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. What did you learn from Michael Wagner? From Michael Wagner, I learned all kinds of great stuff. Um, several different miking techniques and, and things about lining waves up from mics that are across a room that have several millisecond differences between them, stuff like that, that I've never, never even, it never occurred to me. Uh, he would do that would just instantly add clarity and, and greatness to tone and stuff. So I was always paying attention to Michael, but the, the main thing I got from Michael is that, if you're going to work with Michael, you're going to be laughing the whole time and having a great time. He's one of the most funny human beings I've ever worked with and loved every second of it. Yeah, you know he just retired, Ty. Did he really? Yeah, at the wow. end of last year, he, he retired from the music business. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hope he's himself and him and Tina are kicking back and enjoying life. Hmm. So I've only got one or two questions before I leave you go. You already mentioned Lost in Germany from the, the, the self-titled fourth record. Um, mm -hmm. You know that album is 30 years old this year? I uh, know, didn't. didn't know that. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering, does the band have any plans to maybe celebrate something like that? Like, have you ever thought of maybe playing half, or, half of a record that, that has an anniversary or maybe even the whole thing? We've thought about it at times, but the fact is, uh, the older songs, we just can't sing that high anymore, to be honest with you. There's no possible way we could do the Gretchen album now. Um, several songs on it we couldn't do because we were stretching our very limits of what we had in our 20s, or at least I was in my 20s, and Jerry too. Um, and, you know, when you get over 60, you, you just unless you're Paul Rogers or, you know, some other freak of nature like he is, you, you can't, you can't sing that good when you're that old, uh, as far as the range. He somehow has still, still has great range and sound, but most people you know, lose a lot of range over time. So uh, there's just so, so much of the old stuff we can't do. It, it just isn't, isn't even possible. How has your singing voice changed over the years then, Ty? Uh, 
uh, it's weird, but to me, it's gotten worse. It sounds, uh, it start, it's starting to sound different in the last few years, and I don't like how it sounds. So I guess it's just part of, you know, age, I guess, you know. Okay. So when you mentioned there that you can't do the old songs, is, is that all three of you agree with that, or is there the one guy in particular that, that struggles with it? I think all three of us can't possibly hit the notes that we were hitting in our 20s. I know I certainly can't. I mean, all those high ah parts on those songs, super high parts. I'm doing all of the super high parts. And okay. they're, they're just they're just not possible anymore. And okay. Doug, you know, Doug Kip couldn't sing uh, that like that. If he tried to sing those ranges for a full show, it would be the only show and and he had his voice would be gone before the show was over. <laughs> um, and I mean that's just that's just reality for all of us. That's the what we're dealing with. So we have to do things that our very very much much older selves can can do. <laughs> you you know what I commend you for there, Ty. That you're brutally honest here in admitting that because there, there's other bands there. I'm not going to name any of them, but. You know they can de- you know they can down tune the songs or they can get some help to get the songs across. And you guys have just decided, and I'm sure the fans have asked you, "Oh, I want to hear this song and I want to hear that song." And you guys are like, "We just can't do that anymore, or, or do it justice." Yeah. yeah, we 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 we're straight with people when they ask us about songs that we can't do. We 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 we've been telling them that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Speaking of that now, are there any particular songs in the in the catalogue that you've never done live, the King's X catalogue, that you'd, you'd like to maybe have a go at? Um, I'll say that if there are songs we haven't done live, then I probably haven't cared to do them. Okay. I, I think we've done live anything that I've ever wished for us to do live, and a bunch that I didn't want to do live, oh. uh, that I didn't didn't think we did very pulled off very well live all right and I, I, I gotta put i gotta ask you ty can you can you name any of those songs then well yeah it's love is the biggest hit we ever had as a band and we quit doing it a long time ago because we just can't do it well and <clears throat> once it just became undeniable that it was a train wreck and we just need to stop uh we stopped doing it wow that you must get asked to play that then a lot uh, we haven't really been asked to play that one in quite a while, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> so speaking of King's X, I have to ask you about the new album. Um, I, I interviewed, I think it was Doug for the KXM record about a year and a half ago, maybe more. And you'd, you'd already been in the studio. Um, yeah. I know it's due to come out this year, but it must be frustrating to have that length of time with the album being done and getting it out? Uh, not, no, it wasn't quite as bad as everybody thinks because it actually wasn't completely done done until a, a few months ago. Okay. Uh, we left California in 2019, but we did actually add a little bit more to the album after you know afterwards. Uh, like I did some vocals earlier this, this year, and uh, so did Doug and Jerry, and, and Wally Farkas added some more vocals, and I added another guitar part, and actually totally rewrote uh, some stuff for one song, and uh, because I, I just felt like it wasn't quite all the way there yet, 
And so we, we took our time until everyone was, you know, could put their finger on it and say, yeah, I'm, it's a go. I'm good with all of this. So it, it did actually take quite a while to get it completely, completely finished. And not to mention that we mastered different ways uh, more than once uh, just to have options to think about and talk about and choose before we did the final final. And so we took a lot of time on this. Um, I mean, a whole lot of time. So it hasn't been just sitting around twiddling our thumbs waiting, um, but it is that now. <laughs> yeah, do, do you think, Ty, that because it's been so long since the last record, it's probably been over 10 years now, you put a lot of pressure on yourselves to make sure that this one is great? Um, I, I don't put, I didn't put pressure on myself because it's been a long time since we've done an album. Um, I put pressure on myself because I don't feel like we need to do an album ever again yeah. unless we unless we do it like it's going to be the best thing we've ever done. And that's one of the reasons we haven't done an album and it's been over 12 years. I think by the time this comes out, like 14 years. So um, basically uh, after the last album we did, I, I didn't want to do another album. I felt like we were getting tired and not, not giving our all. And I just said, if we, I don't want to do more albums uh, again ever and you know at that point and we didn't for years and years and years and years and it wasn't until we all got on the same page and really wanted to give it our all again that i even wanted to consider doing another album mm. so anytime we go in it's a as far as i'm concerned it's a do the best you can or don't waste time doing it yeah and so i really felt like we killed ourselves to do the very best we could on this record and that we and that we delivered on this one. I, I hope everybody will like it. I'm very pleased with it. Yeah. F final question on King's X, Ty. What do you think is the underrated King's X record? Oh, I could, I, you could point to any of them. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what I've been listening to a lot lately is uh, Please Come Home, Mr. Volbus. Well, thanks. Uh, there it's, it's it's weird it's like there was a second generation of king's x fans that jumped on around that album and a lot of them for a lot of them that's that's their favorite so it just kind of depends on where people jump jumped on the train to what people's favorite album is or what is the most underrated album or whatever i think the fans even argue about it you know which album is i mean some people would even say gretchen was underrated uh because it you know, it wasn't a platinum seller, despite the, the uh, legend that, that kind of is around it. It still never sold over a million, you know. Mm, mm. So do you think you're going to be able to play any of your solo stuff live? Like, when, when, What's the last show you played live? Uh, we did a cruise in February of 2020. That was the only show we did. Uh, well, basically, here's what happened. In July... Of 2019, we did our last live shows uh, as far as uh, our normal going out doing shows. We went back to L.A. to finish the album in August. We were supposed to go to do an extensive European tour in September, but we canceled it because my father uh, got very ill, and, we, and I knew his time was short, and I just went home to be with him. Yeah. So we camped the whole rest of the year. He passed away in December, uh, so we the only thing we had lined up anytime soon was in February. We were going to go 
to Florida and we had a, we're going to do a cruise. So we went and did that, but we had already been off since last July when we went and did that in February. So that was the only thing we did. And we've been off since. So we basically have been off since July of 2019, other than that one little thing. When, when is the last time you got up on the stage? Has it been the same as King's X that you haven't actually got up on the stage in years either yourself? No, I haven't. Uh, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain and think about it. I, I haven't been on stage since that cruise. Wow. You must be itching to get back up there. I'm sort of, and I'm sort of nervous about it now because it's been so long. <laughs> I used to not worry about it. Now I'm like, oh, man, I hope I remember how to do this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Ty, do you want to let everyone know where they where get in touch with you and get a copy of the new album? Uh, well, basically, the uh, the new solo album is on Rat Pack Records, and you can just go to ratpackrecords.com, or you can go to tytaber.com. There are links everywhere, uh, or even to my Facebook page. And um, the King's X album is going to be on a different label, but and they'll be announcing that very soon, I think. Okay. Well, Ty, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you. Same here. Appreciate uh, it. And keep the music coming, and I'll keep helping promote it for you. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right. <laughs> have a good rest of the day. You too. Good talking to you again, Richie. All take right, care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Lots of good stuff from uh, from Ty Tabor. And if you're interested in picking that up directly from Rat Pack, you can go to ratpackrecordsamerica.com, and that's R-A-T-P-A-K. And as usual for Rat Pack, there's always all kinds of different bundles that you can get. So the Deluxe Fan Bundle is sold out, so that always goes pretty quick. But they also do have the Hand Autograph CD Bundle, so you can get that one there, which has got the Jewel Case Edition, got the lyrics in there. You get a Shades sticker and a limited print insert that uh, Ty will sign off for you. There's also the Shades Deluxe Vinyl Bundle, and they still have some of those left as well. And those are like 30 bucks for that one. And that's on a limited print, opaque, red, white, and black spatter. It looks pretty cool. And uh, if you got in early like I did, and you get the Deluxe Fan Bundle, which gives you, you know, the vinyl and the CD and even a cassette, that's always good. You can still pick up just the cassette itself if you want. And that's uh, that's like 11 bucks. I still have some of those left. And then they just have the regular old CD. So if you want, you could get that. In addition, if you scroll down on that order page for Shades, at the bottom you'll also see that some of the uh, merch from the prior 2018 release, Alien Beans, we said about earlier in the show, there's a few things that are still available there, including some uh, autographed copies of that. So if you want to complete your Thai Tabor collection, now is your opportunity to do that. So all kinds of good stuff, as usual, from Rat Pack Records. And hey, if you're up there, you're looking around, see what else they have, too, that you might find that there's still some other cool stuff to buy from them. Always good stuff from uh, from Joe and the gang coming out of New Hampshire. So I know, I hear you out there, you're asking what is in store for Focus on Metal for next week. As of right now, it is going to be an interview that Richie is doing with Bobby Blitz Ellsworth of Overkill. And Richie's expected to stop into the Palladium in Worcester as they pull through the uh, Bay State on their tour 
and talk with Blitz all about what's going on with Overkill. So if that works out, that is what is in store for you next week right here on Focus on Metal. But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. Go out and pick up your own copy of Tide Tables Shades. And until we talk to you again next week, as always, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.